Hello again, and welcome back to the Slow Flowers Podcast with Deborah Prenzing, episode 495. This is the weekly podcast about slow flowers and the people who grow and design with them. It's all about making a conscious choice, and I invite you to join the conversation and the creative community as we discuss the vital topics of saving our domestic flower farms and supporting a floral industry that relies on a safe, seasonal, and local supply of flowers and foliage. This podcast is brought to you by slowflowers.com, the free online directory to more than 850 florists, shops, and studios who design with local, seasonal, and sustainable flowers, and to the farms that grow those blooms. It's the conscious choice for buying and sending flowers. And thank you to our lead sponsor for 2021, Farm Girl Flowers. Farm Girl Flowers delivers iconic burlap wrap bouquets and lush, abundant arrangements to customers across the U.S., supporting more than 20 U.S. flower farms by purchasing more than $9 million of U.S.-grown fresh and seasonal flowers and foliage annually and providing competitive salaries and benefits to 240 team members based in Watsonville and Miami. Discover more at farmgirlflowers.com. For each podcast episode this year, we'll also thank three of our major sponsors. Our first sponsor thank you goes to Syndicate Sales, an American manufacturer of vases and accessories for the professional florist. Look for the American flag icon to find Syndicate's USA-made products and join the Syndicate Stars loyalty program at syndicatesales.com. Last month, I was treated to a lovely workcation opportunity to join two friends at a home they had rented where they worked remotely through the COVID pandemic. They promised me my own bedroom and bathroom, a dining table with a view of sea, mountains, and islands, a friendly golden retriever named Rocky, who seemed in constant need of human beach walking companionship, and lots of good conversation with adults. Oh, and a dip in the hot tub each night. How could I refuse? I got my negative test and took a ferry to Lopez Island for four days. And yes, it was a workcation, but I enjoyed lots of R&R at the same time. I also made a point of visiting today's guest, Lindsay Cummins of Dancing Flower Farm, the only Slow Flowers member on Lopez Island. It's a tiny island in the San Juan Islands. I couldn't pass up the chance to visit her homestead and learn more about how she and her young family are putting down roots while also growing beautiful, sustainable flowers. It was especially gratifying to do something I used to do all the time pre-COVID, conducting an in-person interview of a flower farmer or a floral designer whenever and wherever I traveled. I will never again take that privilege for granted. My fresh air conversation with Lindsay, which you'll hear today, was only the third in-person episode I've recorded in the past 12 months. Wow, we are living in a world of Zoom and FaceTime. And while I'm grateful for the technology, I have to say that sitting on a picnic bench, sipping tea, chatting with Lindsay, and appreciating her first early spring arrangement on the table, well, that was a treat. Even when the skies opened and we were pummeled with an unexpected hailstorm, hey, it was all part of the experience, which you'll hear midway through our conversation. Before we start, let me share a bit more about Lindsay Cummins. This is excerpted from her website. Lindsay is the owner, grower, and florist of Dancing Flower Farm, a micro-specialty cut flower farm on Lopez Island in the Pacific Northwest. She writes this, I am deeply inspired by nature's seasons. I grew up being outside 
all of the time, helping my mom in her vegetable garden, playing in her herb garden, and being encouraged to explore. Those early years definitely made an impact on how I live my life now and how my floral designs continue to develop. I recently came across notes my mom had helped me write, outlining my first business adventure at eight years old, growing flowers to sell to our neighbors in my little red wagon. I grew cosmos, sweet peas, and zinnias that year. It only took me 20 years to realize that that was my calling in life, though cooking, baking, and landscaping helped me get where I am today and are skills I value greatly. I start each design as a tiny seed, corm, bulb, or tuber, caring and tending them using naturally organic practices, till they produce beautiful blooms. I am passionate about designing with only seasonal flowers and foliage that I grow or forage. Growing flowers gives me a sense of purpose, adding beauty to the world, and seeing how they bring joy to people makes me happy. I feel every step of the growing process helps me design naturally abundant arrangements, letting the flowers elegantly move to form romantic pieces from bouquets to installations. No occasion is too small for local flowers. As well as offering fresh flowers, I grow everlasting flowers that dry beautifully for creating special lasting pieces, flower crowns, hair combs, wreaths, and bridal flowers, keeping color all season long naturally. If you have an event that is happening during the winter when fresh flowers are not available, I encourage you to ask about local dried flower options. Well, I know you're going to enjoy this conversation. Visit DeborahPrinzing.com to see photos of Lindsay, her farm, her flowers, and to find links to her social places. Let's jump right in and get started. And now I'm definitely more of a cutting garden than a farm. I don't really yeah. consider myself a farm because there are real farms here. <laughs> well, we'll discuss that. <laughs> okay. Let's start. Welcome back to the Slow Flowers Podcast with Deborah Prinzing. And I've got a very special guest and a very special uh, conversation for you today. I'm coming to you from Lopez Island in Washington State in the San Juans. And I'd love to introduce you to Lindsay Cummins of Dancing Flower Farm. Hi, Lindsay. Hi, Deborah. So thank you so much for coming here. Oh, my gosh. It's such a treat to see a real outdoor growing area and uh, not be on Zoom. I know. This is very special to have an in-person interaction. Yeah, yeah. Well, I uh, I did sneak away for a staycation, workcation with, I guess, maybe that's a better way of putting it, with some friends who rented a house here on Lopez, and they invited me to come for a few days, and I thought, okay, who can I see while I'm there? And of course, you're the only Slow Flowers member on Lopez Island, so I knew I was going to track you down. And I'm so I'm so glad that we could connect. Me um, too. Yeah. Um, give us a snapshot of what is Dancing Flower Farm, and um, you know how would you describe it to somebody down in town when you, they ask you what you do? Um, well, I am a I guess I'm a farmer florist, so I grow all my own flowers, and then I design with them, and I make bouquets or arrangements, depending on what it is. Um, I start every, pretty much everything from seed and do a lot of propagation, which I'm having a lot of fun oh, with. Oh, neat, yeah. Because I just got, uh, this is my first greenhouse, and I have a heat mat in there, and so I'm having a lot of fun experimenting. Oh, yeah, you'll have to describe that greenhouse. It's, it looks like it's about... I think it's about 40 feet long. Oh, wow. And um, 
maybe 12 feet wide. Yeah. It's an old Costco tent frame. It's oh. two frames put together and then we bought greenhouse plastic um, and put it over. Oh, cool. Yeah, we'll take a picture of it to share. So. And obviously I'm not good at guesstimating distances, but how fun. So this is your first year growing in a greenhouse. Yes. So Dancing Flower Farm um, is, uh, as you said, design focused. Uh, you're on an island that has a limited population. Can you just talk a little bit about how you're, um, who you're selling to and like who your clients are and sort of that attitude that people have about local flowers? Uh, yeah, it's, it's been interesting. It's been a very slow journey. I started uh, in 2015, in the winter of 2015, planning. Um, so I guess it was 2016 when I really started growing. Mm -hmm. um, I had been doing a lot of landscaping, so I've been around plants a lot. And um, I was working at Barnell Bakery, which is a sourdough wood-fired uh, local bakery on the island oh, neat. and so I would work there six days a week and then on any of the time I wasn't there I would be in the garden working and I ran their farmer's market booth that summer and they let me have bouquets so oh, it was the first little introduction of letting yeah. people know what I was doing yeah that's so neat that farmer's market um in the main I mean there's no town on Lopez it's just Lopez right it's Lopez village yeah it's just I the one little I love town. that farmer's market it's um just it's such a I don't know that's a sense of community even when you're a visitor so how fun <laughs> yeah it was, great. it was a good introduction yeah. and then I did the farmer's market uh as my own booth for a couple years it was not a uh, very profitable experience, but it was a good advertising experience of just getting people to recognize me with flowers. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it definitely has given me a bait client base. Mm -hmm. um, That's awesome. And then also my first year, I started making arrangements for local businesses. So uh, a couple restaurants doing their bud vases and big welcome bouquets and a couple other places. Because there's so much tourism here yeah. that there are inns and B&Bs and that sort of thing too, right? Yes. That's so interesting that, um, you know, you're, the way you started with the farmer's market seems to be a, a kind of a point of entry for incubating a floral local flower business. I hear that from a lot of people, but you branched, sounds like you branched out pretty quickly. Yeah. It just ended up not being, um, it just ended up not being really worth my time for how much prep is involved the day before. And then the whole day that you were there. And so I would end up feeling very antsy of spending my whole Saturday there when I could be really being productive in the garden <laughs> if you're like which I is have where I want to, to be <laughs> and, right. and it's all it's all on spec like you don't have pre-orders at the farmer's market right? yeah so I would have good days where I would sell out and then I'd have a day where I would sell three bouquets and I was like well that is just not really worth the two days that I you know no, put into this no so having the businesses that was more like a subscription-based regular yeah. recurring kind of thing. I did their flowers every week yeah it was really good it was a really good way to uh get better and practice designing and doing arrangements and getting comfortable doing that because doing arrangements versus a farmer's market bouquet is just very different style. 
And yeah. Also, um, yeah, because you're looking at the environment where when you said the welcome bouquet, like what is the scale? And yeah, but I'm hoping that those clients um, also kind of let you do grower's choice. Like you didn't they didn't weren't trying to micromanage what you designed. No, I just showed up every week with a new arrangement. One of my favorite uh, place was Ursa Minor, which is a little local uh, food restaurant that does very much like a uh, 100 mile kind of food. Like yeah. everything is sourced very locally. Yeah. So you were in alignment with that completely. And so, and they had moved here the same year that I started. So it was really fun getting to like be a part of their beginning. And um, they had a beautiful uh, blown glass vase that I got to work with mm. for their bar. Mm. And um, it was just a really fun opportunity to get to do that. Yeah. That's cool. Did you, um, and some of these things, it wasn't like you had a little placard that said Dancing Flower Farm, but people started asking who created these They let me put a little stack of business cards next to their business cards. Neat. So that was was nice. So that was like 2017, 18 in that range? Uh Uh-huh. And then, yeah, 2016, 2017, 2018. And then um, last year, yes, last year, 2019. Oh my well, gosh. because two, we don't even know what 2020 was, so yes. I know what you're doing. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to remember. Um, I let's see. Two in 2019, I had my son Ira, and so I stuck with Ursa Minor and did their arrangements, and I really scaled back and didn't do a lot because we had just moved to our new property, and it was a very big transition year of having a newborn. Yeah. And, uh, but I just kind of kept my business like semi alive and yeah. going. Yeah. And, um, the stuff women do. And yeah. then in the winter of 2019, going into 2020, I really needed to figure out a way to make my business work and grow and be, uh, more smooth and efficient. Mm hmm. And so, and I knew that I didn't want to do the farmer's market. And so I had been looking into doing CSAs for a while and I got it all up and running, got on my website, sent out an email, put posters around town all in February before the pandemic hit. So I didn't know what was about to happen. Oh my goodness. And it was such good timing and such a good move. And so really 2020 was your first CSA subscription year. Yeah. Wow. And it was my first year growing on our new property and our new property is pretty much bedrock. And so I've been building all of the raised beds. Um, So it was a very small garden, but I was able to sell every single flower I grew last year. It all went into the CSA. That's so great. And and then I had some special order arrangements Mm -hmm. that when people reach out. So uh, let's talk, we'll talk about your new property in a second. I just am curious, how did you market the uh, subscription? Like what was the length of time and, you know, the the options that you gave people? Last year I did... um, Last year I did, I think, four weeks, six weeks, eight weeks, and 12 weeks as options. options. Uh-huh. Um, this year I just sent out the email today oh, letting yay. everyone know that it was time to sign up again. And this year I am doing uh, four weeks, eight weeks, 
12 weeks and 24 weeks. Wow. wow. So giving people a few different options. Right, right. And, and because you're here um, on the island, are you delivering them all or do you have a central pickup place? Last year I delivered them all. Yeah. I mean, I know that that's how a lot of people have to get started, right? And it was fine. I was too much of a stress to try to figure out a good location for them to pick it up during lockdown. It was just like, I couldn't figure out exactly how to do it because all the businesses I had originally was going to reach out to all of a sudden they weren't open anymore. And, uh, also with a baby, I couldn't guarantee that I would be somewhere at a very specific time. And I didn't want to, uh, I didn't want to be flaky. Yeah. And so, wow. uh, so you put Ira in the car seat and then the flowers in the back and just took off. And we just, it was like an hour long drive around the island delivering and it turned into a very like peaceful time to just drive and listen to some music and be, you know, just kind of have like a little bit of a space out time. And of, like spread cheer to people, right? Yeah. And just, I would drop off their flowers in buckets and then I would pick up the buckets from the last week and... Oh, just so they were switched loose. it out. Um, well, no, I had them in market style bouquets oh, okay. wrapped in craft paper. Uh-huh. And then I have a huge stack of old ice cream buckets that I got it at our take it or leave it, which is our dump facility. Oh my gosh. And so they're like big white food grade buckets. Right. And so I would just put the bouquets in there and leave them on doorsteps. Oh, just so that they're not flop- flopping over. Or and whatever. they're in water. Yeah. Because that's something I feel is like really important. Yeah is keeping them hydrated and fresh. They last a full week. I see. So someone would, if, if they were home, they would wait till you left, open yeah. their door, get it, and then go home and arrange. Uh, it's already arranged. It's already, yeah, I would arrange it in, it in kind of a, a spiral mm-hmm. bouquet technique. Mm-hmm. I got pretty fast at doing that. Mm-hmm. And so I definitely you, missed doing arrangements last year since the restaurants weren't open. Right, right. And so you kind of alluded to the fact that the, you couldn't have predicted in February when, we, when you launched this how important it was going to be. I mean, I'm just anecdotally, how, how did people respond? Were they just... They got so excited. Yeah. It was such good feedback. Yeah, I bet. Which felt really good. I mean, I feel like we heard that universally, that there was this pent-up desire for nature and flowers were sometimes the only real, like achievable way people could connect. Yeah. I feel like that's something I've heard a lot over the last year through, uh, your podcast and on Instagram, like just continuously people being like, yay flowers. Yeah. And for you financially to have the subscribers also probably since you're just getting this new garden built, you could have some early revenue then to invest in plants and, um, seeds and cuttings and that sort of thing. And just knowing that they were sold, just not having any that open variable of not knowing if something was going to sell, it felt really good to just know. Oh, it's amazing that you you timed you I mean because it's hard to forecast, right? So yeah. for you to say that you sold every stem, like okay, you probably had to get creative a few times where you did a little foraging or whatever, right? I'm a big forager. Okay, <laughs> I mean I have like a very. Um, our backyard just kind of goes into the woods. Yeah. And so I do a lot of foraging of honeysuckle because honeysuckle around here just grows like crazy. Wow. I would kind of assume it's maybe on the semi-invasive right. list. Right. But I love it. Yeah. And so I, you know, feel like I can't forage it too much. Yeah. 
You're doing nature a favor by foraging it more. Yeah. yeah. And are there like sword, sword ferns and salal, that sort of thing? Yeah, there are sword ferns and salal. I don't, I use them when I'm kind of desperate and mm-hmm. I really need something. They're not my favorite thing to forage. Um, they're probably a little bit like universally available on the island. So they're, yeah. you're trying to get a little bit more. I just like uncommon. to have things that are a little bit more unique and uncommon mm-hmm. and you know, have people email me and be like, oh my gosh, what was that thing that was in here? <laughs> I'm like, oh, that's syrinth. <laughs> yeah. And so when you do that, are you also posting on Instagram, like some, some examples of the bouquets so that you can just start building that following? I really tried. Yeah. Uh, there was definitely some weeks where getting them done and in the car and going, and then I would deliver them. And I'm like, oh, I didn't take out my phone and take a oh, picture. Oh gosh, I know. We all do that. That's and cool. Well, I definitely got in the groove of taking a picture of them and putting it at least in my stories and trying oh, to do that yeah. every time just to, and, you know, so I can go back and look too. That's true. You can see say, what was happening on which week. Cause I try to write everything down, but there's definitely weeks where I go and look in my planner and it's completely empty. And then I pull out my phone and I look through all the <laughs> pictures. I'm like, what did I do that week? <laughs> I love it. So you mentioned that you just posted or sent out the newsletter, and is it on your website too, the, the new offerings? Yes. Okay, good. I just last night got it live That's and awesome. ready to go and sent out an email to all of my CSA members from last year, giving them first dibs. So roughly how many subscribers over the course, I mean, at any short or long versions of the, uh, the subscriptions did you have? I think I had a 24 signups last mm-hmm. year. That's great um, for a first year. Which I was really thrilled with. Yeah. Totally great. Um, this is maybe a little ambitious. I would like to double that this year. And I think you can. Um, it, I'm going to have more growing space this year. Right. So. Right. And, and just as an aside, did the, what happened to the farmer's market on Lopez last year? Did it kept it happen? going. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I, I never actually went to it. Yeah. But, uh, are, there, are there other people bringing, uh, like, cuttings from their garden or are they more nursery plant people uh well there's definitely farmers that do vegetables at the farmer's market and then there's barnell bakery that has their booth there um and then there's other there's some other food vendors Mm -hmm. and then there's a lot of arts and crafts so so flowers might show up occasionally but but it's not really yeah there's definitely you know sometimes some of the farmers uh vegetable farmers would bring flowers they might have zinnias or something like that yeah Yeah. and um one of the years that I did it another Mm -hmm. flower farmer had a booth at the other end I mean it's nice to have more than one so that it kind of I don't builds up an awareness and so it's your top of mind for the shoppers who I mean they probably have a lot of choice in certain other crops like yeah you know food crops and there's lots of farm stands on the island so there's definitely uh, vegetable farmers who grow flowers and have them at their farm stands. Okay, okay. And wow. so people go up and... Well, I hope you double. That is really exciting. We'll and I, I feel like you're differenti- differentiating yourself because you're adding a level of design. I'm trying really... When I started, uh, my goal was there's, uh, there was another well-established flower farmer on the island. And so my goal was to choose completely different color palette and style from the get-go oh and um really try to be unique Mm -hmm. and um 
pick unusual things. Mm -hmm. And so when you said that you have a background in landscaping, that must influence your broader palette of things that you are designing with. And talk a little bit about how that led you to, well, the bakery sounds like it was just a really fun way to live on Lopez. <laughs> it was, I love baking. So yeah. it was just a really, when they offered me the job, I said, yes. Plus you start really early at a bakery, right? Yeah. I would have shifts where I would start at six and then I would have, you know, it just kind of depended. I was one of their first employees. So yeah. I did a lot of different things. And mm-hmm. so some days I would go in there early and get out relatively early in the day so I would have the evening in the garden right or you know I would or I would start later in the day at the bakery and have like the you know early hours in the morning in the garden I would just you made a juggle work. it yeah yeah um so I got off track your <laughs> journey to plants and then how that led to flowers is I'm really curious about I think that's the one thing people always want to hear well, I, uh, I worked, there are a lot of large estates on the island. And so I started landscaping at one of the big estates and um, learned a lot from the woman who run it, ran it. Um, and just about all the different, there were so many different plants, I guess, that I had never really uh, had in like my mother's garden growing up you know, lots of ornamentals Mm -hmm. and, um, Mm -hmm. there was a huge, uh, bearded iris walk that was so beautiful. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And that's having its comeback time, isn't it? Yes. That's awesome. (laughs) And so there was lots of, I, I've learned a lot about different plants and how they, um, how they need their care. Mm -hmm. And especially in, in a state like that where everything is very manicured and pristine. And Did you guys um, often harvest and make arrangements for the household or was that not a big issue uh, or a, a, something that the owner desired? Uh, at the time, the owners weren't around mm. a lot. And mm. so I we got to pick a lot of stuff. Mm. And so I started bringing friends flowers. And then that was your lab then. <laughs> it was so much fun. You know, not it wasn't a huge amount, but it was definitely like they had these uh really well-established big white peonies mm. that just were, you know, they got overloaded and then it would start to rain and, and you have start to, to collapse. You have, and to, like, cut you have to cut them. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're making a mess. I love it. And, um, and the peonies just get better with age. So it sounds like they were really mature. And Well, and then a great thing is, is uh, now the uh, people who own that are actually one of my CSA members. Mm. So oh, it sweet. was like you a fun circle. <laughs> Uh, but I definitely, I learned a lot working there. And then I, um, and then I had other jobs at other places yeah. that I worked as well. So you really became, you became fluent in plants basically. And I, I got my own, uh, landscaping job at, uh, running a place and that did not last very long. And I realized that that is just not, not my calling to, mm-hmm. uh, do the, meticulous weeding and all of the little things that you have to do yeah but I learned a lot yeah exactly and you're obviously putting it to use in your own property yes I am now that we have our own place I'm getting to implement all these things that I realize I've soaked up my most of my life um my one of my grandmothers was a painter and she was I guess she was probably more well-known for a lot of her abstracts, but mm-hmm. my favorite were all of her paintings of flowers. And oh. she was a big um, 
member of the garden club in Carmel, California. And so she did a lot of their, uh, painted all their flyers and stuff for that. And I, um, for like their tours and their events. Yeah. Just all of the, you know, like she painted (laughs) canvas hats with flowers on it. I have like a couple of those stored away. And, um, so I, and I actually came across when I was going through a box of her stuff recently, I pulled out and was looking through and just, I felt like looking back and cause I just so wish that I could share what I've uh, found. She would be really into what I'm doing now. I and bet. she, so it's, it's too bad. I'm not able to share. But since. somehow it's in your, the genetic thread is there, you know, yeah. you've carried it forward. And so I found a few articles and <laughs> uh, different, a lot of different, she was in, featured in a lot of magazines for her landscaping around her house, which is something I did not realize as a teenager. And so it was really fun to read, go through Aww. and read about her color theories of how she landscaped it. And I think she probably had professional landscapers yeah. go and do it. Yeah. But, but because she was an artist... There yeah. was definitely some influence of and Yeah, she was talking about you know, different, like, the blues and how they make you feel and just different things like that. And so... Where did you grow up? Um, my parents moved here when I was 10. And so... To Lopez. To Lopez. Wow. And so... Uh, That's pretty amazing. <laughs> yeah. You think of it as a place where people go to retire not to raise children, but you're... You're continuing on with your own child now. Yeah, which is something that as a a teenager, if you told me that, I would have laughed at you and been like, no way, I'm going to live in a big city. (laughs) Yeah, we drove by the school yesterday. Is it, we were wondering, is it like K through 12? Yeah, it's K through 12. It's one school. Yes. Oh my goodness. It's a tiny little school. That's wonderful. um, So you moved here from where? uh, Marble Mount, Washington, which is up Highway 20 right before you go over to go to Eastern Washington. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So way up there. Yeah. Yeah, but also pretty rural. Yes, very. But this is a little bit milder climate to be in the San Juans, right? Yeah, and this was, uh, this actually feels less rural because there wasn't really a very big community at the time living up there. So, you know, we only had a few friends that were close by and we'd have to drive down to Mount Vernon for ballet class and <laughs> things like that. Yeah, so yeah. coming here, everything was very close. That's true. It's a, it's a tight-knit community. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, Okay, so you knew kind of where, you know, where the opportunities were to have a farm or whatever, but you said you ended up looking for a long time just to, because it's gotten to be kind of a very popular second home island, and I'm sure real estate is expensive. Oh, yeah, like it is pretty much everywhere right now. Yeah. And uh, my partner, Zach, was fishing in the summers up in Bristol Bay, And so we were just saving and saving and trying to find a place that we could um, make our home. Yeah. How much acreage do you have? We have five acres. Okay. And what would you call this part of the island? Is this because I know we went down Mud Bay Road, but then I lost all orientation. So we are kind of on Lopez Hill. Okay. We are in the center of the island. Our driveway is very long, so you loop all the way around. And now we're like, (laughs) yeah, now we're like all the way back. And so... If you walk through the woods, there are Lopez Hill trails oh, wow. all the way up there. And do so you guys just hike around and uh, you when know, you're, when you're li- foraging? A little bit. <laughs> I probably don't go on them as much as I could. Yeah, with a two-year-old, probably not. <laughs> I definitely, I, he's definitely at the age where I think he would walk around. I'm sure we'll do that more yeah. this summer. Yeah. But I'm impressed because we were sitting in this kind of like, um, like open space that is surrounded by tall conifers. And if you 
had moved here and it was all treed, it would have been just another <laughs> barrier to starting to grow right away. Oh my gosh, I have no idea. I mean, I don't think we probably would have bought this if mm. it had been completely wooded. We looked at a lot of places that were wooded and, you know, we're like, okay, this is where the garden's going to be. Yeah. And, um, but it would have taken a long time to yeah. rip the trees out and then get the soil okay. And so the, the, this was cleared prior to your moving here. Yeah, this was cleared over 20 years ago. Wow. And so it had time to, oh, it's hailing. Maybe we'll see a rainbow because the sun is still out over there. <laughs> it's wow. the Northwest. <laughs> I know. <laughs> this is well, spring. We've been, we've been chatting for a while, but let's, I'm fine if we get a little wet. Okay. <laughs> Just let me know when this you run an, under the porch. This is an environmental interview, people. <laughs> um, well, environment is something that I am really passionate about being uh, careful yeah. with our environment. And so that is something that is a little unique is all of my pots and everything I have collected from our dump, our take it or leave it, where there's a big recycling bin where people put their old gardening um, black pots. Wow. And I have been collecting them for a few years. So like the five gallon or the three gallon, the things that you, or are they the larger pots? Oh, well, those are actually grow bags oh, that right. have roses in them. They're 25 gallon grow bags that I am experimenting with and seeing how the roses do. Yeah. Last year was their first year in them and they did great. And um, yeah. they I just mean, got a prune. They're happy. Yeah, they, they're happy in that con kind of container environment normally. Yeah. So I figured that, uh, you know, doing, I mean, getting the big grow bags, then eventually when I figure out where I want them to be in their forever home, we can just kind of move the bags and maybe like slit them and then just build the soil around them. And then the roses will just be there. Because you're going to have to build up wherever you plant them eventually yes. because of this this rock that you're on yes wow and so that's you, cool so you're being very uh, like just finding like like most farmers finding what's available and putting it to use rather than yeah i'm just really trying to reuse a lot <laughs> should we go <laughs> under the yeah, this um, is ridiculous. i'm gonna put this on pause for a second <laughs> hey we're resuming the uh the interview here folks uh Lindsay and i had a uh beautiful outdoor setting for our, our covid safe interview and then a hailstorm just happened, <laughs> which we don't get very often. <laughs> so we're both a little wet and um, under cover now, but actually we were going to continue under the cover of your porch, but it was like rain, like, like rocks hitting it. So way too loud. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's all, it's all part of the adventure. So tell everybody what you just took me on a tour of, of your well, you called it a large cutting garden. It's not quite a farm yet, but yes. what, you're, what you're building here. Uh, so I am building um, all of my beds with large rocks. I am building rock raised beds and then filling them with a mixture of soil and compost. And we'll just keep adding compost and amendments to the soil and making sure everything is healthy. And um, So they're about what, about 12 inches high? Most of them or? Yeah, I think most of them are around that because mm -hmm. there is like a little bit of soil on the ground, but there's not a lot. Yeah. And everything that I grew last year did really well. I was really surprised with. Yeah. I felt like everything was a success. I mean, obviously there were some things like I was just telling you that my dahlias, I grew in really big pots. Um, 
and I was really just growing them last year to start my Dahlia collection because I lost I don't even know how like a hundred dahlias when when you moved when we moved Aww. um because I didn't have a good storage space yeah. and I pretty much knew that was gonna happen I tried to save them and then I just gave up and was like that's not worth it yeah and so last year I just started trying to rebuild my collection yeah. with some of my favorites so it was just like one kind each and so this year I'll be able to divide them and do some propagation and have how, a bigger dahlia. So how are you going to outsmart the slugs, do you think? Well, I'm really hoping that they're not as bad as last yeah. year. I mean, they ate down the dahlias every time they would start to grow again. And then And see, I would expect that for the ground. Yeah. But on a like how high were the pots? Like 30 inches or something? Oh yeah, at least. Jeez. Like they're big pots, and I would move the pots every day and take all the slugs off of the bottom and around the sides. Ugh. It was I mean, the yard was crawling with slugs. I think you need to... No. Okay, so I've told you you need to get a dog to keep the deer away. Now you need to get ducks. Yeah, I know. <laughs> my, my, my little one, Ira, would love that. He is such an animal person. And yeah. He just loves them. It's just more stuff for you to take care of, though. And that is yeah. the other thing is now I'm starting to have uh, vole issues in my um, greenhouse because it's a little bit warmer than anywhere else. So they found that little spot. And so spot. They, I have... Um, ranunculas in bulb crates because last year I had really good success of growing ranunculas and anemones in bulb crates in the greenhouse and um this year the voles have been coming in and just chewing them down and I have been setting traps and trying some other things I think I need some cats <laughs> okay so now we've created a, a whole fauna to go with your flora yes <laughs> You don't seem discouraged, though, Lindsay, and I, I think it's just your personality. You're just an optimistic kind of can-do person. I, just, I really try to look on the bright side and just find the the good in everything because we live in a very intense time, and if uh, I start focusing too much on all of the really hard things that are happening um, in so many different ways... yeah. I can, it just gets me down and it yeah. just like bums me out. Yeah. So I, which is really hard to do when you're a mom too. Yeah. 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 There's not a lot of extra energy. No, I can tell. And you're still finishing your homestead. So you and Zach are building yeah. uh, more and than, than when you started here. Oh yeah. We just keep adding little things on the weekends. Wow. <laughs> Trying to build up. That was something I uh, I invested $5,000 into a uh, beautiful little flower studio that he made me at our other place. And then we bought this place and that studio is still over there. So I had a flower studio for a very short few months and it was amazing to make bouquets in. I did a couple weddings in it, did all my wreaths in it. And uh, now I'm back to my, you know, 10 foot by three foot porch yeah yeah that's not something that can be transported over here then maybe eventually uh, he'll be able to take it apart and oh, oh move over parts of it oh i hope so and put it back up you clearly have the vision for what you yes. what you want uh i asked you right before we turn the recorder back on um if you normally did weddings and your first response again shows your personality where you said it w yes and they were great learning experiences like instead of <laughs> complaining you're, you're focusing on what you learned from 
that I opportunity. I learned a lot. Mm-hmm. I mean, I definitely, you know, the first wedding I did, I, it's hard for me to look at the pictures because the bridal bouquet just kills me. It, you see all the oh, things gosh. you would do differently now. It's like not a full like you know three sixty yeah. bridal bouquet. There's yeah. a, there is definitely a back and a front, yeah. which you know did not get translated well. Yeah, and you know, it was fine. Everything it was a good experience, but and I you know have... what you probably saw it more than the the actual oh yeah couple. Definitely, I mean it's all things that I'm like hypercritical of stuff. You know of like. But now I've learned a lot of just, you know, you rotate everything constantly. Well, you said you're doing spiral stand bouquets for the CSA, which seems yeah. pretty sophisticated. Did you teach yourself or ever, you know, work in a flower shop or how did you? I took a class from Katie Davis oh, of Ponderosa uh-huh. Time um, in maybe 2018 mm-hmm. and it was just one of her mini classes that was just a day long one mm-hmm. for bridal bouquets mm-hmm. and um that was a really fun experience yeah yeah and and I think that her style was a style that you were drawn to probably with your aesthetic the it, lot of ingredients yes <laughs> it was just the timing of it worked out it was in Portland so I was able to drive oh, so down and uh go stay with a friend and it was a really small intimate class I think there was only five of us that's great so it was just and it was in um Tandu studio in Portland which okay. is just this beautiful open space oh, with like neat. a tiled floor and big windows and it was a really special day I mean that's a pretty good investment in yourself and knowing that every you know just that one day course you're bar you're using those skills all the time now yeah yeah no, it was like, I really wanted to take one of her, like, week-long, uh, you know, intensive, you know, big installation yeah. workshops, but I couldn't quite invest that much yeah. in myself those, yet. Or the travel ones are yes. over the top. Oh, yeah, of course. I mean, those are the ones I was drooling over, and then I saw that she was doing one in Portland for a day, and I was like, okay, I can justify that. Yes, exactly. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I I would totally agree. What a good investment in yourself. But I think you have a natural... Uh, you know, when you described your grandmother's art, I think you have naturally been a creative person that well, is informing a lot of what you do. And then my other grandma, my Oma, on my other side, uh, she was a master gardener. So your your other grandmother was more on the like avid gardener, master gardener side. And you yeah. did you garden with her or? Um, as I got older, mm-hmm. over the last years of her life, I would go down, and uh, she lived on Bainbridge mm-hmm. Island, and so there was a couple of years there where I would try to go down and visit her almost every month, and um, this was before Ira, Yeah, I had a little bit more time, yeah. and I, um, she had one of those brains where she could just remember like all the Latin names of every plant, and um, so definitely very inspiring so yeah. I've been around plants my whole life yeah yeah I think that um, I, I believe that flower farming is an art form and and there's there's just so much especially in garden design and flower arranging have so many re, you know related interpretations and, and sometimes I always because I come out of horticulture mm-hmm. I say oh well I'm just like it's making like making a little garden in a vase yeah. you know and Totally. Yeah, and I'm looking at this arrangement that you made, which has some beautiful early spring flowering plum and uh, some currant and rosemary and 
Is that mint? Yeah, I found some mint under an eave that wasn't, it was still alive. That's so <laughs> great. And then the hellebores and the daffodils and like, you'd normally would see all this in a woodland garden. Like mm -hmm. they would belong in the same, you know, And order. I've been thinking about that as I've been planting my garden beds, which I've been layering them all with bulbs and bulbs that grow at, uh, or bloom at different times. So there's different things that are going to be popping up. And so bulbs and then perennials and then maybe summer bulbs, spring and then, yeah. yeah. Yeah, spring, I guess, yeah, spring flowering and then I have perennials that kick in and then maybe some, um, I haven't put in any really summer blooming bulbs yet. You mentioned you might do alliums though. Oh yeah, I did put in alliums. Yeah. I guess I do have alliums. Yeah. Um, but I'm that's just trying to efficient. layer all of the beds. I really like looking through books that have like English style garden, walled gardens mm -hmm. um, and looking at what, how they like plant things. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with Tasha Tudor. Yes. And I just have looked through her books since I was a child. And so now I've been looking through with a different eye of being like, okay, let's so see, how can, how can I do what, like, you know, certain parts of her garden, like different pages in the book where I'm like, Ooh, I like that combination of, you know, like forget-me-nots. She has carpets of forget-me-nots and I love forget-me-nots. Well, when you talked about the walled garden and it kind of relates back to what you we were talking about maybe before we turn on the recorder with trying to in intensively plant things closer together to see if you can maybe get them to be more compact or shorter stemmed or whatever. And yeah, sort of it, it's visually beautiful, but it's also has another purpose for a designer. Well, and it also is good because I am the designer. I'm not selling to a florist. So my stems don't have to be, you know, they don't all have to be a certain height. They don't have to be all perfectly straight. I like stems that have movement to them because I'm the one designing with That's them. such a good point. And then, yeah. you know, if something doesn't work, then I don't use it. But. Right. And you don't need an 18 inch stem because you're never, you know, we're at the, at the wholesaler at the, you know, yeah. you, they want to have that what are like variable like it could it could be used for many purposes yeah and you're thinking specifically about your csas do you think that your uh restaurant and business subscriptions will pick back up at all this year i know it's still kind of iffy i'm not COVID. sure i've been like wondering i was thinking about reaching out to them and just being like hey i just want to let you know that if you're interested that you know, knowing ahead of time would be good. I can put you in your, in my rotation. <laughs> yeah. Um, we'll see. Yeah. I feel like everything is still so up in the air of yeah. what is going to be accessible. Yeah. And also I feel like a lot of businesses, um, have been hit pretty hard. Yeah. And so, you know, justifying being able to spend money on flowers, I totally understand that that's not always feasible. Yeah. Unless you find someone you want to do a trade with. Yeah. <laughs> That would be that would be worth it to you. I'm always open to trades. <laughs> I traded with a potter last year. Oh, that's wonderful. She makes really beautiful, um, like, I have one of her platters. Mm. And she was like, oh, you're doing flowers. And I was like, do you want to do a trade? Bingo. Because <laughs> I will definitely take some of your pottery. That's wonderful. Well, you have your, it's so fun to see you now in, in starting your third season or second season. Uh, here... Yeah. At our place, this would be my second season. Oh, wow. And so, You've done so much um, then. Yeah, this is this is only like the big, very beginning of my second season yeah. here. Great. I was trying to count how many. Um, I think this will be actually my sixth growing season, but it feels 
it's been very interesting moving right when I like was really starting to get a hang of it and I was growing in a, like a big huge rectangle garden with really rich soil mm-hmm. so it was like really it was really easy gardening right right yeah and I think that you know you're seeking out all kinds of inspiration like old Tasha Tudor books and you know people in landscaping and so it, it goes back to your brand goals of being different and um, definitely of a place I mean this bouquet is Lopez Island and what you're growing is um, maybe not in people's gardens here but it obviously culturally it's happy so people yeah. respond and I love when you said people ask you what things are and have curiosity I had someone uh, be like what are the nigella pod seed heads because they're yes. so fun looking yeah we're so curious yes I know it's great and you can kind of get multiple looks out of that because you can tell them sell them when they're in bloom, but then yeah. you save the pots. I really like growing things that have, uh, you know, a longer window of harvest yeah. where you can pick the flower. And then if you have extra and you don't need those flowers, you can wait and then harvest the seed heads yeah. and put them in stuff and maybe use the foliage too. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> oh, Lindsay, so. this has been so much fun. Kind of wacky. <laughs> I know. And now it's sunny again. <laughs> yes, you guys, you would not believe it. It was honestly like a winter whiteout for a few minutes there. We're both wet and cold. And now the sun is pouring through the branches and they're all dripping with little like crystals of cold little melted hail. <laughs> I know the ground was white and now it's back to being muddy again. Oh, well. If you were here a few weeks from now, uh, I the first year when we first moved here, Actually, we hadn't even moved yet. I went and planted a thousand daffodils, like all fancy narcissus that have fragrance and are pretty. Are they kind of along the edge of the woodland? Uh, They are just kind of tucked along edges of rocks. And I have just been each year adding in a few more. And so eventually there's, you know, it's the only thing the deer won't eat here are daffodils. Yes, we have to follow you on Instagram so we can see that display of almost like a rock garden plantings, right? Yeah. That's, you know, and I just started a foxglove grove in a spot because that's another thing deer won't eat. But I think those are literally the only two plants the deer won't eat here. So we're going to have a lot of those. Yes. (laughs) Which I really like foxglove and I really like daffodils. I do too. I do too. That's awesome. Oh, well, before we wrap up, um, anything else that you want to share that I didn't ask you? Because this has been... A crazy conversation, but I think we I like have, we've bounced we've, all over the place. Well, we've brought people into the place and the moment, and they're going to hear all the ambient sounds and you know experience what it's like for you to be here on this beautiful sort of secret garden. It, yeah, it's uh, I I love the book, The Secret Garden. I actually, of course you do. <laughs> I just re-listened to that on book on tape, or I guess it's a you know, audio on my, audio on my mm-hmm. phone now. It's no longer a tape. Um, and got re-inspired this winter just the descriptions of the garden coming alive I was like oh yes okay spring is coming and it's so fun getting to walk around and I just you know do a garden walk every day and look and see if there's any new buds on anything and and they're the garden's waking up yeah we just saw the peonies popping through and we saw a lot of your bulbs popping up and it's exciting. All the sweet peas are sown in the greenhouse right now in pots and are in four inch pots. Yeah. And they'll go into the garden. Don't let the bulls get those. They are way up on a high bench. Good. They are hopefully 
out of the way. Bulletproof. I love it. sweet peas, I use them as my foilage or uh, as my greens. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I use their flowers too. And last year, because I wasn't doing the farmer's market, I did little bunches of sweet peas as add-ons in Mm. my um, CSAs. And then I also just cut the vines and put them in. Yeah. I love the movement that they give. That's so great. And people also are super sentimental about sweet peas. So you can get a lot of bang for your buck with that. Oh, I just love them. And I saved a bunch of seed last year, so that will be fun. That's great. I would love to come back and visit you in the peak of summer and see. It would be really fun. See what an explosion it is. But thank you for inviting me over for fe- having this cozy place at the picnic table with the tea and the flowers. Well, and thank then... you so much for making this journey. Here. <laughs> yeah, it was great. This is this is uh, this is like the best thing I could ever do on a vacation is to go visit a flower farmer. So sure. the fact that you're part of Slow Flowers makes me so happy, and I appreciate your time. Well, you have just been such a huge inspiration from the beginning, especially oh, the very first year that I started growing. I would listen to your podcast for like eight hours a day. I would just like went, you know, started at the beginning and just started moving forward. Thankfully, there's a lot of past episodes. And so I just was like so inspired and, you know, continually being like, wow, there's so many different outlets Mm -hmm. for growing flowers and so many different business models. And now you're going to inspire somebody who's new and starting out and listening to your story, um, which is you know, it still feels like I'm at the very beginning. Yeah. Yeah. But it's hard to get a setback by changing property, but at least now this is your property. Yes. So no, it's definitely felt like a setback, but it's also really like a huge step forward. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why I've just been, I filled all the beds I made last year with perennials. And so now I I have a lot of work in the next uh, month or so. I have a lot of building of beds to do. Well, I hope that the um, weather warms up soon and that the, I mean, you you crave moisture because you need it in the summer, but, you know, moderation. I know. We really need to get all of our catchment barrels up to take advantage of the rain. Yeah. Thanks so much. This was great. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining today's special episode. After we wrapped up the recording, the conversation continued and Lindsay told me that she's hoping to offer personal flower packages for island elopements this season, as well as continuing to design for intimate wedding ceremonies. It was a lovely chat and I'm not sure when I'll get to do that again. Either take a ferry boat to an island or visit a flower farmer or florist in person. I'm eagerly awaiting both of these special experiences. Our next sponsor thank you goes to Johnny's Selected Seeds, an employee-owned company that provides our industry the best flower, herb, and vegetable seeds supplied to farms large and small, and even to backyard cutting gardens like mine. Find the full catalog of flower seeds and bulbs at johnnysseeds.com. Our big news of the week is that over at Bloom Imprint, our publishing branch of Slow Flowers, we have just opened up the online shop for pre-orders of Where We Bloom, the first book in our 2021 catalog. You can find more details and the link to order in today's show notes. This book's subtitle says it all, Intimate, Inventive, and Artistic Floral Spaces. 
You're invited to join me and step inside those places where flowers come to life, as Where We Bloom showcases the beautiful plant and flower-filled settings of 37 slow flowers, designers, farmer florists, and growers. Each environment reflects the personality and aesthetic style of its owner, offering great ideas to inspire the design, organization, and functionality of your creative studio. Visit their spaces and read about their floral passions. I can't wait to share this beautifully illustrated book with you. The books will ship in April, but you can order your copy now. And a few more announcements before we wrap up. There are only two more days to grab your free ticket to attend Flurvana's Regeneration and Sustainability Summit, taking place online March 5th through 7th. You'll hear from more than 20 fabulous presenters and presentations, including the course Robin Avni and I are co-presenting, The Journey from Blog to Book. The link to join us is in our show notes today, and I promise you we have packed so much into our 40-minute mini-course. We're especially excited to unveil our 28-page workbook that accompanies the session. This is a valuable tool to help anyone develop their concept and evaluate whether it's a potential book. The free workbook is only available to Flurvana registrants, so check it out. As I said, I have the link in today's show notes. And next week, you're invited to join me for a very special webinar hosted by the American Institute of Floral Designers and Slow Flowers on Tuesday, March 9th at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern. I will moderate a presentation in collaboration with three of the AIFD regional presidents, including two who are Slow Flowers members. The topic is From Farm to Florist, and we'll discuss the benefits and best practices to incorporate locally grown flowers into everyday designs and event work. I'm thrilled to say that four Slow Flowers members will join the discussion to share their stories and advice for florists from the farmer's perspective. This event is free and open to the public. You can find the registration link in today's show notes, and I hope to see you there. Our final sponsor thank you goes to Rooted Farmers. Rooted Farmers works exclusively with local growers to put the highest quality specialty cut flowers into floral customers' hands. When you partner with Rooted Farmers, you're investing in your community and you can expect a commitment to excellence in return. Learn more at rootedfarmers.com. Thanks so much for joining us today. The Slow Flowers podcast has been downloaded more than 696,000 times by listeners like you. Thank you for listening, commenting, and sharing. It means so much. As our movement gains more supporters and more passionate participants who believe in the importance of our domestic cut flower industry, the momentum is contagious. I know you feel it too. I value your support and invite you to show your thanks to support Slow Flowers' ongoing advocacy, education, and outreach activities. You can find the donate button in the column to the right at deborahprinzing.com. I'm Deborah Prinzing, host and producer of the Slow Flowers podcast. Next week, you're invited to join me in putting more Slow Flowers on the table, one vase at a time. And if you like what you hear, please consider logging on to iTunes and posting a listener review. The content and opinions expressed here are either mine alone or those of our guests alone, independent of any podcast sponsor or other person, company, or organization. The Slow Flowers Podcast is engineered and edited by Andrew Brenlin. Learn more about his work at soundbodymovement.com. <laughs>